Uh, Father God, that is a very simple prayer to pray, and yet oftentimes it can be uh, difficult for us to speak and mean. Lord, we uh, simply say yes to you this morning, Lord, whatever uh, you have for us, whatever you want uh, to teach us, whatever you want to give to us, and whatever you want us to receive, Lord, I pray that we, uh, with open hearts, would say yes to you uh, this morning. God, I pray that you would uh, take our, our sorrows, our, our regret, our shame, Lord, and you would replace that with a joy that can only come from you. God, we love you. We commit this time to you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Now have a seat. Thank you, Chuck and Melissa, for leading us this morning. It was great to have you. Thank you, thank you. Well, Drew uh, was uh, the first person that ever told me uh, what other people had probably uh, been thinking. Uh, Drew was a good friend that I had in seminary. We had the same classes together. We uh, interned at the same church together. And I was in my last year at Dallas in seminary, and I thought uh, that that I knew it all. And so I was lamenting over a cup of coffee and a bagel about all the things that were wrong with the church that we were at. It was a a big church in Dallas. Uh, It had been around for for 40 years, 30 years. Very prominent uh, pastor there, godly uh, man. But clearly he did not know what I knew. (laughs) Because I had four years of schooling under my belt. And so so I could pinpoint all of the problems in the church. And I was uh, telling my friend Drew uh, what was wrong. And he he listened intently. And uh, he, he said to me after I got done lamenting, uh, James, I've, I've noticed uh, that oftentimes you think in your life that the grass is always greener on the other side. I've noticed this, this pattern that you have uh, in life of always pointing out uh, what is wrong. It, it seems as if uh, you are never content. So I listened uh, intently to my uh, friend Drew. I prayed about it as he spoke. And then I punched him. Uh, No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. They weren't easy words for me to uh, receive uh, that morning, but he was right. There was this sense that oftentimes I would walk through life and and nothing was was quite right. I was always able to, to point out just something that I would change ever so slightly. And I always thought to myself, if I could change this situation, if I could change this scenario, if I could change this church, if I could change uh, this relationship, uh, then I would finally feel a sense of contentment, of peace, and rest in my life. If I were to do a poll of this morning, uh, I would venture uh, to say uh, that many of us at one point in our life or another have probably thought the same thing. There's this part of of us that says this, this is good, but, but it's not the best. If, if this were just to change a, a little bit at work, uh, then I would be content. Then I would be satisfied. Then I would be happy. If, if this were just to change in my marriage or in my relationship or with my children, uh, then I would experience peace and, and contentment. I, w- I would be at ease. If, if only things were to change ever so slightly, uh, I would be content. Uh, do you know that Scripture teaches us 
that contentment uh, can be had. Uh, contentment uh, can be experienced. Uh, we're taught in God's Word, not only can it be experienced, but it's actually commanded. Uh, Paul tells us how we can experience contentment in Philippians chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me this morning to Philippians uh, chapter 4. I want to look at just a few verses uh, together this morning, verses 10 uh, through uh, 13 of Philippians chapter 4. You there? Good. If you don't have your your Bible or your electronic device, the passage will be uh, on the screen for you this morning. Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 10 reads, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, uh, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be uh, content. Uh, Contentment uh, is possible. And it is is possible as God's people for us to experience uh, this sense of joy and peace and rest in life. It's not some uh, pie-in-the-sky idea. It's not one of those things that's good in theory, uh, but it's not realistic. It's not one of those things that we can experience one day when a little fairy sprinkles pixie dust on us and and we fly on on a unicorn to the end of the rainbow and there's a leprechaun in a pot of gold. Right? It, it, it's, it's real. It's, it's not made up. Scripture teaches us that we can experience a contentment uh, in this life. And that is good news. Is it not? Because isn't that what we all want? I mean, don't, don't you want to feel contentment? Don't you want to experience the sense of peace uh, and rest? We, we all long for that. I, I feel like as God's people, we walk around with, with this hunger uh, for something more or something different, something that we're, we're not currently experiencing. Uh, we want something that uh, we don't have. I feel like oftentimes we're like, like Goldilocks and the three bears, right? I mean, we, we, we taste and, and, and we think this is good, but it's not quite right. This is better, but it's still not perfect. Like, like this bed is too soft or this bed is too hard or this porridge is too hot or it's too cold. And we walk around uh, telling ourselves often that, that if things were, were to change, then I would be happy. Uh, then I would experience contentment. I, I love my job, but I don't love the pay. I love the pay, but I don't love the job. I love the job, I, I love the pay, but I don't love the people. And if we could just get rid of the people. Right? I don't love the job, I don't love the pay, I don't love the people. Like, there's nothing about it that I like. And there, there's a sense, like, if this were just to change, right, then, then I would experience uh, contentment. I like the house, but I don't like the area. I like the area, but I, I don't like the house. But I, I love the fact that, that the house is three days old, but I wish there were mature trees in the neighborhood. Trees that had been around for 300 years. A house that's three days old, trees that have been around for 300 years. And, and it's like we're on this search, this hunt for something. And we think once we have it, once we experience it, uh, then we will experience contentment uh, for the first time. We, we do this with schools. We, we say, well, I, I like the academics, but I don't like the athletics. Or I like the athletics, but I don't like the academics. I like the idea of the school, but I don't like the reality of, of the school. I, I like the newness of the school, but I wish they had a track record that's 100 years old. And so there's a sense where we're always looking 
for something that uh, we don't have. When we go into a church and we say, I love the worship. Preaching, shaky, right? It's good, but but it's not quite right. And and if we could just have this experience where it's right, then we will experience contentment. And so we go uh, walking around telling ourselves the lie that if, if I had a little bit more, I would be happy. If I had a little less debt, uh, then I would finally be happy. If I had a more responsibility at work, uh, then I would be happy. If I had more pay at work, then I would finally uh, be happy. If I received more recognition in life, then I would be content. If I had better friendships or relationships, uh, then I would be happy. And, and we play this game of if, 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 It's always something that's out there. It's always something that uh, we long for, but we never quite experience. And and Paul uh, gives us good news when he says that contentment is possible. And he tells us it's possible because contentment is learned. Right? It's learned. It's not something that simply arrives on our doorstep as an unexpected guest. It's not something that we automatically receive uh, when we begin our relationship with Christ. It's not like going to the golf tournament and they hand you a bag with a pair of socks, you know, 20 golf tees, a 20% off coupon from Edwin Watts, and contentment. You know, like, here it is. It doesn't work like that. Contentment is learned, and sometimes it takes an awful long time uh, to learn it. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. But but in some ways, this is good news. It's, It's good news because other people are on this journey with us. And it's, it's good news because we can take our, our place in line. We can uh, grab a number. We know that there are other people out there who are struggling with this, who haven't learned it, uh, who are being educated in it. And, and we can join them in their journey, and they can join us. It doesn't matter what season of life you find yourself in. It doesn't matter how wonderful how your, your job currently is, or how terrible it is, how, how much money you have, or how little money you have. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're the most beautiful person in the world, or whether or not you walk around thinking that you are an ugly duckling. And regardless of where you find yourself on that spectrum, there are people who are learning this lesson from the poorest of poor to the richest of rich. And so you're in good company. It's also a good news because it, it can be learned. Right? It, it's possible. It's, uh, it's not something that like if you miss it one day you'll, you'll never get it. And it's not like the 20% sale on Saturday and on Sunday morning you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, so close. Like I'll never get that discount. No, no it's something that, that, that's learned. And God is always uh, teaching us. If this morning you find yourself uh, not content, then then take heart, uh, because God is probably in the process of teaching you. How does he do that? How does God teach us? If contentment is something that we can experience, if it's something that we can have, if it's something that's learned, then how uh, does God teach us? Well, Paul uh, tells us how in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. Look at it with me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, says, I know how to be brought low, 
and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Uh, One of the ways that God teaches us contentment is bringing us through seasons in life when we have very little. Paul says that he he learned contentment. He he learned what it was like uh, to to be in want. And we know that if we follow Paul's story in the New Testament. Certainly there there were times when he had very little. He didn't have a ton of resources at his fingertips. And oftentimes God teaches us uh, much the same way. Uh, He sends us through seasons of of want or hunger or or longing uh, so we can learn what it means uh, to cry out to him and to find our contentment in who he is. I remember when I was in seminary, Dr. John Hanna was a church history professor. Uh, he, was, he was telling us one morning, he goes, you know, you guys think that you have very little right now of uh, being in seminary, being in school. He goes, but I've seen the parking lot here. And, and I don't know how it is that you guys are driving the cars that you're driving. He goes, I- I'm jealous. He goes, when I was in school, I remember walking down the grocery aisle looking at the saltine crackers for 37 cents and looking at my wife going, do you think we can afford these? And that's a, that's a season of want. It's a season when you don't have a lot at your fingertips. And it's during those moments when God is teaching us how to be content. He's teaching us through the lean seasons. How do you know in those moments if, if you're passing the test? How do you know if you're learning contentment? And if you find yourself in one of those seasons this morning and you're thinking to yourself, we, man, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of financial resources. I, I, don't, I don't have a, a reputation right now. I don't, I don't have a place in the community. I, I feel like I'm in want. How do you know uh, if you're learning contentment uh, during that season? I think a great indicator is simply uh, asking yourself, do I find myself often asking the question, uh, if I only had this, uh, then I would be happy. Do do you walk around thinking to yourself, if if only I were to get here, uh, then I would experience joy and contentment, peace and rest in my life. Or or, or do you find yourself in that season going, if if this were to just change, uh, then I would experience contentment for the first time. I, I think if we find ourselves asking those questions, it's a pretty good indicator uh, that, that we're not learning the lessons that God wants us to learn, right? Because in those moments, he's teaching us. He wants to change our hearts and our affections. He wants to change our mindset. He wants us in those moments to be able to rest in him. And apparently, uh, it is possible. God teaches his children a contentment uh, through seasons of want. Now you think, well, and that, that sounds a little cruel, doesn't it? I mean, why, why would God do that? Doesn't he want to give good gifts to his children? Doesn't does he want to bless his children? Doesn't he want to take care of us? Why would he send us through seasons of want? I think the reason that God sends us through seasons of want is because ultimately he wants to change our, our affections, he wants to change our heart uh, so, so that we want him more than we want anything else. Right? He, he wants us to get to a point in life when even when we have little, if we have him, uh, that is enough. And, th- and that can sound, I mean, it can sound almost like uber spiritual. And yet Paul says, I- I've, 
I've learned to be content uh, when I have had a little. So God oftentimes sends us uh, through seasons of want in order to teach us contentment. But the flip side of that is true as well. I mean, there, there are times when God sends us through, through seasons of blessing or seasons of abundance. And, and Paul is saying, even in those moments, I've learned to be content then as well. I know what it's like to be brought low, and I know what it's like uh, to abound. And so there's times in life when God just blesses us. And he, he just he blesses us um, financially. He blesses us spiritually. He blesses us uh, relationally. He, he gives us good gifts. Right? And, and even in those moments, he's teaching us uh, what it means to be content. Now, I think those seasons are, are just as tricky as the seasons of want. Because there are times in life when you step back and you think, man, I, I feel really content right now. But, but then I wonder to myself, do, do I feel content just because, because my, my bills are being paid and I feel financially secure, I feel healthy, you know, my, my kids are doing well in school, relatively speaking, right? It seems like there's this personal momentum in life. And those, and those are good seasons, but I think to myself, well, how do I know if my contentment is, is simply coming from the fact that everything's going my way, or if contentment is coming from the fact that I'm resting uh, in Jesus? You see, I, I think, I think a, a season of abundance, a season of blessing, uh, can be just as dangerous, because it's, differ, uh, it's difficult uh, to differentiate uh, between those two. And so I think the way that God reveals that to us, the way that he exposes our hearts, is he simply uh, takes away uh, the, the thing that was bringing us joy, and then our response to that, I think, is an indicator of whether or not we're content because of a relationship with Christ, or whether or not we're content because of our present circumstances. Right? So, like in ministry, there, there are moments where where I, I feel this, this sense of momentum. Right? I feel like, boy, is this a church? We're in a healthy spot. Like we're, we're looking to bring someone else on board, and, and it seems like we're, we're getting along. Right? There, there, there's not a lot of infighting. I mean, it seems like people are growing. I mean, people are passionate about sharing the gospel. People are passionate about serving their neighbors and their friends. And so I sit back, and people go, James, how are you doing? And I, and I go, well, I'm, I'm, doing, uh, I'm doing great. I'm just really content right now. But then there's this part of me where I go, okay, well, am I content because everything seems to be going my way? Or am I content because I'm resting in Christ? And I feel like the way that God reveals that to me, or the way that he has, is, is he takes someone away. I mean, someone that, that you know, that you love, someone that you care about. Like, all of a sudden, there's, there's an opportunity. And someone says, hey, James, you know, great news. And I, I just got this opportunity at work. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. That's fantastic. It's, it's a raise. And I'm like, awesome. I love to hear that. More responsibility. Oh, congratulations. I love that. Oh, and it's, it's five states away. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, are you... Are you just going to come twice a month, or, like, how is that, how is that going to work? Like, we do online giving, so that's not a problem, but, like, are you, like, are you going? And sometimes people just go. And I think, okay, how, 
like in that moment, like what do I feel in that moment? When I, when I feel this sense of, of ministry momentum and someone says, oh, James, I'd love, to, I'd love to talk with you after the service. And I go, well, let, let's talk now. No, no, I'd, I'd rather wait. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, that, that's a revealer in my heart real quick. And whether or not I'm resting in Christ or, or I'm just content because of my circumstances. And so, so God does this when, when we experience a season of financial abundance and an unexpected bill shows up or the car breaks down or something goes wrong with the house. Right? You feel like you're experiencing one victory after the next and, and then all of a sudden we, we trip over our toes and we experience a defeat. You, know, you, you feel like you have a growing reputation that, that, that you're loved and well-liked and you've got a great network of friends and then all of a sudden when you find out that someone said something about you or, or your reputation takes a hit. I tell you, those, those are great revealers. Right? We learn real quickly if we're resting in Christ or if we're resting in our current circumstances. I know what you're probably thinking. You're thinking, well, come on. Right? I mean, I mean the, the reality is we have experiences in life that bring us joy, uh, that bring us peace, that bring us contentment. And that's completely natural. Right? You, you, you can't say, you can't argue that, that the stuff that happens to us has no bearing on how we feel. Right? I mean, that, that, that's almost unrealistic, James. And yet Paul seems uh, to teach us that contentment does not come from our circumstances. That contentment comes from something outside of our circumstances. Look at what he says in Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 12. He says, In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so Paul says, I've, I've been on both sides of the coin. If you read through First and Second Corinthians, you'll, you'll read passages about Paul talking about when he was beaten, right? when he was in, arrested and thrown into prison, shipwrecked. I mean, these the stories that he tells of stuff that happened to him are horrific. I mean, significant times of physical and emotional suffering that he experienced. And yet, here he's saying that, like, even in those moments, I've learned the secret of, of contentment. And the flip side of that is true. He says, I, I know what it's like to have abundance. I've been there before. Remember many weeks ago when we started the series in Philippians, we said the church at Philippi, uh, when it started, it was started by three main individuals. One of them was Lydia, a seller of purple goods. She was a successful businesswoman. Uh, she was from Asia, probably influential in the community. And apparently she was one of the first converts. Remember Paul shared the gospel with her. She was doing a like a Beth Moore study, and Paul's like, what are you reading? And he's like, I'm reading this thing about God. And, and he goes, well, let, let me tell you who God is. And he leads her to Christ. Like, more than likely, Paul, like, he probably experienced some of the benefits of having Lydia in his congregation. I'm not, I'm not saying he, he took advantage of, of her wealth or her position, but, but more than likely, there was, I mean, there was probably some help that Paul received because she was, she was part of, of, the, of the pioneers that started the church at Philippi. And so Paul's saying, I, I know what it's like 
to, to be on both sides of the track, right? I've experienced both sides of the coin. I know what it's like to suffer and be in want, experience need, and, and I know what it's like to experience abundance and to have. And yet even in the midst of this, Paul is arguing that, that he's learned the secret of being uh, content. The, the language that he uses here when he talks about the secret of, of contentment, he, it's, it's a word that, that was used by the Stoics. And the Stoics believed that the secret to contentment was having absolutely no expectations. Right, if, you had, if you had no expectations, then you're not disappointed. And so you would be content. But that's not what Paul is teaching. Right, contentment in the Christian life is not apathy. Right, contentment in the Christian life is not avoiding uh, expectations or not having longings or desires. Uh, contentment is not this attitude where we throw our hands up in the air and we kind of have this laissez-faire attitude and we say, well, it, it really doesn't matter. Like, whatever. I mean, I'm good either way. A Christian contentment is not complacency. It's not sitting back and going, well, life doesn't really matter. Wherever I am, I mean, I'm good with it. Because there's times in, in Paul's ministry where you look and he, he doesn't simply sit back and throw his hands up in the air and say, well, it doesn't matter. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, listen to this. Not that I have obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Uh, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Well, that, I mean, he's, he's pressing, right? He, he's moving, right? There, there's something in, in Paul that, that's stirring, where he has this laser focus and this determination. Right? So on one hand, Christians are, are content, we're, we're at peace, we can experience rest, and yet, on the other hand, there's this, this deep sense of motivation and determination where we're pressing and we're moving toward uh, godly things. Uh, Jeremiah Burroughs uh, wrote, I don't know if you heard, Jeremiah passed away in November of, like, 1486. And uh, he, he wrote a book on Christian contentment, right? So, surprisingly enough, people have been struggling with this and wrestling with it forever. This isn't new to us. He, uh, he said the contented Christian is the most contented man in the world and yet the most unsatisfied man in the world. Contented Christian is the most contented man in the world and yet the most unsatisfied man in the world. Right? And I think the, 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 uh, the being satisfied, our, our resting comes from our relationship with Christ, right? Knowing that we are his. And our lack of contentment doesn't come because there's stuff we want and we don't have, but it, but it comes from the sense of, man, I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm pressing in, I'm advancing the gospel, I'm, I'm moving to advance the kingdom, right? And so there's this stirring in our heart and in our soul for uh, something more. Paul was incredibly motivated. He was incredibly uh, driven, so he writes and he says, in wins and the losses of life and the victories and the setbacks, I've learned the secret of contentment in both situations. 
Uh, Tim Keller, in a a message that he gave on Psalm 131, a psalm that actually speaks to contentment, writes this, if grace has really changed our hearts, we don't ultimately care if life goes the way we want it, as long as we have him. The joys of acclaim, wealth, and power are nothing compared to the eternal acclaim, wealth, and power we have in him. Isn't that good? Do you believe that that's true, though? I mean, can you sit back and say that? Like, I've experienced the grace of God, and so my, my joy or happiness and contentment is not based upon whether or not life always goes my way. Because I read that, and I think, that's what I want. Right? That's what I, I long for. Right? I, I want this sense of peace and rest, regardless of what happens to me. So how does, how does that happen? Like, where does it come from? Contentment is possible. It's, it's learned. It's not based on our circumstances. It doesn't come because we have plenty or want. So, so how do we get it? How do we learn it? Well, Paul writes in uh, verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Where does contentment come from? Where does it come from? Well, it, it comes as God gives us strength uh, for the moment. God, God teaches us, regardless of what season of life we're in, what it means to be content. Right? And so Paul writes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? So you oftentimes see this verse like written on the, on the eye patch of football players before they go out and beat the snot out of someone. Right? It's on every 16-year-old's wall you know, as they're bench pressing. You know, they're trying to get up 135 pounds and reciting this verse to themselves. They're like, I, I can do all things. Like, we, we walk around and we think we can do or accomplish anything because God strengthens us to do or accomplish anything. And it's not necessarily what the passage is talking about. Uh, Paul is saying contentment, feeling content in good times and in bad times isn't natural. Right? It's, it's not. It's, it's not normal. I mean, there There are events that we experience in life when we have no business being content. We have no business sitting back and going, man, either way, I'm good. Right? Because because it seems like in those moments, it's so unnatural. Hugh Latimer was a fellow at Clare College in Cambridge uh, uh, before the Reformation. Uh, Later, the Church of England uh, chaplain for uh, King Edward uh, the, uh, the 11th, or the 6th, rather. Uh, Latimer was burned uh, at the stake with Nicholas Ridley. He was one of the three Oxford martyrs. And as the story of his life is told, when he was, when he was put on the stake, when he was, when he was burned alive, uh, he looked uh, to his friend and he said, Play the man, Master Ridley. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. Right? They're going to light him on fire. And he's like, be of good cheer, Ridley. I mean, who does that? Who says that? I'm like, it's hot, hot. I'm I'm not thinking that in that moment. So where does that come from? How can you face something like that and say, Lord, man, regardless of how this ends up, I'm good. That can only come uh, from a God who strengthens us. It can only come uh, from a God who is gracious 
uh, to us in the moments uh, when we need him the most. So how does that happen? How, how do we learn contentment in life? God, God teaches us. It's not this thing that we white-knuckle and we say, this time I'm going to be content. This time I'm going to try harder. This time I'm going to feel that. I'm going to experience it. It doesn't work like that. God teaches us it in the moments uh, that we find ourselves in. So, so we say with Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, A hymn we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone a mature in Christ. For this I toil, a struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Did, did you catch that last line? For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Right? So, so in that moment when we don't feel contentment, in that moment when we're dissatisfied with, with where we are or who we are, like God wants to teach us in that moment. I mean, he gives us lots of opportunities to learn uh, this lesson. I was, I was thinking this week, uh, my, my lack of contentment in some ways is found in, um, in the vacations that we get to take as a family. Like when I, when I leave for a week, week and a half, uh, two weeks-ish for, for vacation, I'll come back and people will say, James, how, how was vacation? And I'll go, it was good. It was a, it was a good vacation. It was good. I mean, it rained a couple days, but it, I mean, it was, it was good. It still was a good vacation, even though it rained a couple days. You know, when it's raining, there's not a lot to do when you're on vacation in a small room because it's, it's raining. But we had a good time. We had a good time. The kids, the kids, we did it for the kids. The kids loved the vacation. But boy, it's tough to travel with kids. <laughs> Have you ever traveled with kids before in a small confined space for many hours? It's, it's not not easy. But, but it was good. It was good. We had a good time. We had a good time. Boy, it's expensive to take vacations, isn't it? Don't you find me? And you save, and you save, and you save, and it's gone. <laughs> Just like that. But we had, we, had a, we had a good time. It was nice to get away. You know what doesn't go away, though, is the work. <laughs> I mean, I come back, and there is more work to be done. You ever experienced that? And I, and, I, and I wonder if, if there aren't moments that God gives us where he says, I, I just want you to rest in this moment. I just want you to rest in this day I've, I've given uh, to you. And I, I think the primary way that God allows us to do that is he allows us to take our focus off of, of our horizontal stuff that weighs us down, and he calls us to, to look to him. My boys love playing electronics. They, uh, they like watching TV or playing video games. And I don't know what happens when, when they're in front of, like, the Wii, playing the Wii, but they check out. Like, I don't, something weird. They should do a study on this because they're not there any longer. Like, I'll leave. I'll be, boys, we got we to gotta go. And they're doing one of these things. And I'll get ready. I'll walk out of the house. I'll fire up the car and warm it up. I'll come back in. They haven't moved. They're still right here in front of the screen. And I have to go up to them. And I'll say, boys, I, I need to see your eyes. Look up. Look up. And they go, oh. And they, and they snap out of it just for a moment. And I wonder if the Lord doesn't do that to us. 
Like in moments when we're we're feeling this inability to rest and to be content, he he comes alongside of us and he says, just look, look up. Like, look up. And and that's that's not, it's not some like made up, contrived, like spiritual, like Jesus answer. You want to be content? Well, just look to Jesus. Right? I mean, you'd expect the kids in the village to say that. But, but apparently they also say it in Scripture, like in, in Hebrews chapter 13 when it says that, that we shouldn't love money and that we should be content with what we have. I think it's verse 5 or 6 right after that. It says the reason that we should be content is because God will never leave us or forsake us. Right? So, so apparently his presence in our lives brings contentment our way. Like apparently when our eyes are opened and we see like his glory and we're satisfied in him, like apparently that does something inside our hearts where we say regardless of where we are in life, God, I have you. And like in this moment, I'm, I'm resting, I'm, I'm good. And so I, I want that to happen in our lives. I, I want that to happen in us, in me. In, in you. Like, I want you to experience that. I want to experience that. And I think one of the ways that we can experience that, one of the ways that we can begin to learn this lesson is, is just simply asking God to teach us. I think one of the most powerful prayers that we can pray as God's people is simply help. <laughs> God, would you, would you help me? Would you help me, regardless of where you're at today, just pray that prayer. God, God, would you help me? I want to experience contentment in my heart. I want to experience contentment in my life. And God, I don't feel it now. There's constant longings for something more. There's a hunger for something that I don't have. And so simply admit to God, God, I'm not there yet, but I, but I want to be. And so will you help me? And so I'm going to ask everyone, if you would, to, uh, to close your eyes, to bow in prayer. And let's just ask uh, the Lord to help us, to help us find our contentment, our satisfaction in him. Let's pray together. In, in the quietness of this moment, why, why don't you just pray that prayer right now? I don't, I don't know what that thing is that, uh, that you're longing for or that you're hoping for, that thing that you don't quite have yet. But I wonder if you could just admit that to God and say, God, man, I, I think if this were to change in my life, everything would be better. I would experience joy and peace and contentment. But God, that's, that's not true, so would you help me? Why don't you pray that prayer right now? God, your, your word is, is so strong to us on this, on this topic. It, uh, it gives us hope, uh, and, it, and it gives us a command as well, Lord. You, you teach us in the Ten Commandments that we're not to covet, that there isn't this, um, this longing that we're to have to think that joy can be found outside of a relationship uh, with you. And so, Lord, if, if we're there this morning, if there's that sense within us where we think, if I just have this, or if I just experience that, then I will experience joy and peace.
and rest in my life for the first time. God, God I, I pray that, uh, that you would help uh, change our hearts, that you'd open our eyes to help us see that, that that's just not true, Lord, that that's a lie. And instead, Lord, we ask for your help this morning. And, and we pray that you would give us this, this steadfast confidence that regardless of where we find ourselves uh, in life, that you are our source of joy and you are our source of contentment. God, we, we pray that you would help us to feel this and that you would help us to experience it uh, by the power that you provide. And so I ask uh, this morning, Lord, for that power to rest uh, in us. And I pray that you would do uh, all those things, Lord, ultimately uh, for your name's sake. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Why don't you stand together? Mm-hmm.